Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. Welcome to our Smart Garden Show. Let me introduce you to a couple of our friends who are going to help you out this hour from the University of Minnesota, Julie Weisenhorn, and our turf expert, Maggie Ryder. Good morning to the both of you. Hey there, Danny. How you doing? I'm doing well, Julie. Thank you very much, Maggie. I hope you are too. Yes, yes. Good to be here. Good deal. We, uh, As you guys know, we tend to get very busy during this hour, so let me get right to it. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question... Uh, call it in or text it in. It's the same number. So if you want to chat with our guests or uh, our experts, or if you want to just send a text like some folks are already doing, please do. 651-989-9226. All right. While we're waiting for the folks to uh, check in, uh, let me ask Julie this question. And Maggie, if you are a tomato plant lover, uh, the other day we had such uh, tremendous rain and wind yeah, I had not. I had not uh, put, and I've put a couple of plants in pots already in containers, and I was going to do another one, a third one, different type of a tomato plant. Well, I left it outside in its original small pot. Well, the wind blew it over, and knocked off, broke off the top. Okay. Okay. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. So what I did was I brought it in the house, and unbeknownst to my wife, she was she had a glass of water, and she was trying to root some other plant. So I just tossed it in there. Okay. I thought, why not? Well, the doggone thing survived. <laughs> I mean, is that unusual? I mean, what do I what do I do next? Do I get it in soil or what? Oh, do you mean that the top produced some roots? Well, it looks like it because it 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 it's been days now, and it's even okay. got a little flower on it. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, well, if it's produced some roots, tomatoes have uh, a tendency to produce adventitious roots, which are these roots that grow out the side of the stem. That's why we plant them pretty deeply. And they look kind of like little bumps on the stem. So it could be that that when you put it into the water, that prompted those uh, those roots to or nodes to actually grow at that point. And if you've got some roots growing, yeah, you could stick it right in some soil. Oh, I'll do that today now that we're going to be <laughs> maybe 50 degrees for an overnight low. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Julie. 651-989-9226. And if you, especially this morning, if you have a turf or lawn question, uh, Maggie can feel those for you. So uh, call it in, text it in, 
at the same number, 651-989-9226. Text came in a couple of minutes ago, says, please ask this question for me. How long do you have to wait to plant after spraying weed killer? Uh, also, names of dwarf trees. Love the show. Okay, a couple of questions there. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what I'll, they want I'll to plant. First. Okay. I'll go first on the weed killer. And <laughs> right. I don't really have an answer because it depends too much on what product that you're using to kill weeds. So I would just say direct you to look at look at the label and read that carefully. It will say like, you know, do not feed within one day after application. It might say do not feed within one month or something like that. Um, but you have to read the label because different weed killers have a lot of different sort of residual effects in the soil. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure. That, uh, do you have names of dwarf trees? I don't, but what I would recommend is taking a visit to the Arboretum Ah. And uh, go, first of all, to the conifer collection, which is right behind the Snyder building. And there's a lot of dwarf evergreens that you can see there. And uh, as far as small deciduous trees, you could utilize our plant elements of design plant selection database. It's on our extension yard and garden page, and it's under the landscaping section. And you set up a simple account and then uh, with a username and password, and then you could just type in the size of the plant that you're looking for. So I know that there are some small magnolias. There's some small crab apples. Those are both really great early spring bloomers. Um, But if you're looking for those evergreens, just visit the Arboretum and take a look at that conifer collection. It's tremendous. It's really cool. Really, really interesting plants. And you're going to love the rest of the Arboretum, too, as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, yeah, it's, that's, it's yeah a, exactly. <laughs> a great place to visit. Now, let's go back to the phones. I think John is first up here calling from Golden Valley. John, you're on with Julie and Maggie. Good morning. Um, I have two Armorellis plants. They're in two separate pots, and I've had them probably for 10 to 12 years, and they blossom every year. This year they didn't blossom. It's foliage on there. There's no blossom. And I was wondering, do I need to replant these? And um, uh, I heard someplace that I should take the leaves off. Well, right now those plants are growing as house plants or you know, they can, but they can now go outside. Now that we're past this crazy cold night, uh, these nights that we've been having, and it should be in the 50s, it looks like, 50s or so in the evening, you can bring those amaryllis outside and first put them in the shade and then just little by little move them a little bit more into a sunnier location. You just want to get them acclimated to the sunshine. If you put them right in the sun, the leaves will burn. Leave the leaves on the plant. Those are actually going to photosynthesize and add energy back into that big fat bulb. And uh, and then in the fall, you'll want to bring those in and you can let them uh, just die back, put them in a dark location, let the leaves die off and bring them out at uh, about probably about 8 to 12 weeks. Just die back, put them in a dark location, let the leaves die off, and bring them out at uh, about probably about 8 to 12 weeks later. But if you don't want to do that or you don't have the right location, you can just grow them, continue to grow them indoors as a house plant uh, into the winter. The important thing is that they get that sunshine and those leaves photosynthesize and get that energy back into the bulb, and that is what is going to help with the bloom next year. 
Uh, Maggie, this one, uh, this text, uh, interesting. It says, what have you heard or seen about white grub worms destroying lawns in Minneapolis? Where do they come from? So the, the grubs are um, like the larval stage of uh, Japanese beetles or June beetles, um, mostly around here. And yeah, we've seen, so the damage is often really bad in the springtime and people kind of see that and, and um, get really upset. And uh, But you know, two months ago was not the time to be um, doing anything about applying any products, you know, to, to prevent the grubs or kill the grubs because they're, they're too big. Um, but we are just getting into the right time um, for grub treatment. So let me say a little bit more about this. Um, so in the next week, you know, before July 1st is the time to apply um, grub prevention products. Um, so it's okay to do that now. If you have already in the last couple of weeks, that's that's all right, you know, but the optimal time is probably within the next week um, up to the, the, you know, third week of June or, or before July 1st, at least. All right, very good. Let's uh, take a quick break. Invite our listeners to join in on the uh, Smart Garden Show, 651-989-9226, either your text message or a phone call. That'll get you there, 651-989-9226. Back with more Smart Garden, 49 degrees now in the Twin Cities, Heading for around 65 here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday on CCO Radio in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your text messages and phone calls this morning for Julie Weisenhorn and Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota. We have uh, perfect brain power here for both uh, lawn <laughs> and garden uh, questions. So, uh, not that we don't usually. I don't know but, about uh, that. But well, okay. <laughs> I do. I do. We have tons of calls and text messages. Tell you what, let's do. Uh, let me grab this text and then we'll grab a phone call. Uh, this one is about an older peony, several flower buds, but last two years has not bloomed. What can I do? And I love this line. It says, thank you. Love my garden show. I like it when they take possession of that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, peonies are interesting because they have these enormous tuberous roots that grow very deeply. Um, usually when a peony hasn't bloomed, it has. it's because somebody has moved that peony and planted it too deeply. They're kind of fussy. They uh, They need to be planted at about... Uh, about one and a half inches below the soil surface. So my first question to this person would be, have you moved this plant lately? And if you did, did you plant it a little bit deeper than it should be? If you, if that's the case, you could lift the plant, meaning that you take a garden fork and you carefully raise that plant up until, until that, uh, the base of the plant, the crown is just about an inch and a half below the so- soil surface. If you haven't, and it's just been a very old peony and seems to have stopped blooming, it may be that it needs some fertilizer, might need a bump. Uh, You would want to look for a fertilizer that has a middle number that's a little bit higher. That's the phosphorus. That's kind of the macronutrient that promotes budding and flowering. And if that's not the case, if you have good, healthy soil, then I would look around and see if there's been a tree or a shrub or a fence or something that's shading that plant and preventing it from getting the really the full sun that it needs. So there's a couple of options there. 
Very good. Thanks, Julie. For those just joining us, uh, Julie Weisenhorn and Maggie Wright are in uh, from the University of Minnesota helping you out. Especially this morning, Julie is joined by Maggie, who is our turf expert. If you have a lawn question this morning, call it in or text it in while uh, Maggie has uh, joined uh, joined uh, Julie this morning. We have callers like Ken, who's calling in from Blaine this morning. Ken, what's your question, please? Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a question on trimming uh, for Scythia. I have... Uh Persithia plants or shrubs, and uh, it seems like in the summer they grow profusely. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, last year I trimmed the, one of the Persithias, and um, I may have done it incorrectly because this, this spring I had not a lot of um, blooms. And um, so I'm wondering, and I can't see the buds, what, how Persithias bud out, but uh, you could help me. Sure. So forsythia are beautiful early spring blooming flowers. They're uh, shrubs. They're awesome. Bright, bright yellow. Uh, and of course, that is the main reason we plant them. After that, they don't look like much. They're just a green shrub. The trick with these early spring blooming plants like lilacs, service berry, forsythia is that you need to prune them pretty quickly after they stop blooming. So after the bloom, because that plant goes on to set bud flower buds for next year, this year, and it happens within a couple of weeks. So I'm guessing that last year when you pruned it, you pruned it later in the season and you literally cut off the flower buds for this season. And uh, we are now a little bit late to be pruning forsythia. Um, If it's really in the way, for example, if it's blocking windows, you might have to just sacrifice some of the flowers for next year. And then next year, as soon as it's done blooming, right after it's done blooming, then go ahead and do your pruning. All right, very good. Uh, Phyllis is calling in from New Richmond this morning. Phyllis, you are on with Julie and Maggie. Uh, good morning. I have two questions. The uh, first one is, when is a good time for me to divide my turtle head? Uh, I have friends that want some of them, and I don't know if it's in the spring or the fall. And the second one is, it's similar to the other. How soon should I be trimming my azaleas so that I get blooms next year? So same thing with the azaleas. Uh, As soon as they're done blooming, then you would want to do your pruning. Uh, And as far as the turtle head, I think uh, you could probably still divide it. At this point, it's a later blooming plant. Uh, I usually recommend that you you divide plants uh, when they're small. It's just more manageable. It's easier on the plant. And then they have the whole season to recover from them. So I think you could still divide it at this point. Okay. Texture says this, can I put cedar chips around my hostas, which are under a mature silver maple? Yes, you certainly could put mulch. And uh, cedar mulch is fine. You can put that around those hostas under the maple. What I would not do is cover up the maple roots. So just go between those roots uh, and uh, get them right around that ho- those hostas. Maggie, listeners, in fact, we have a couple of these texts. Can I still do some seeding in my lawn? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can still do seeding. Um, I mean, it's, it's a great time to do that, in fact, because the grass is growing um, very actively. As many of us, uh, you know, realize having to, to mow in the last week or two, maybe mowing every five days, um, because the grass growth potential is very high. So, yeah, it's it's still okay time to seed. Well, that's good. And, and, and again, it's the cooler weather, too, and the wet weather. Now, looking at that forecast, Friday we're looking at possibly 88 degrees. So that's just a little <laughs> that's a little heads up. 
the roller coaster continues. Oh, yo. <laughs> yeah. Here is a uh, text that says, I have aphids on my potted uh, begonia. What do I do? Oh, aphids, they're a pain. Uh, I, you can do a couple of things. You can try treating them with a low-impact uh, uh, pesticide, such as insecticidal soap, uh, horticultural oil, or neem oil. Um, you could try that first. Well, first what I would do is I would take that plant, if it's small enough, and I would wash it off. I'd put it in the sink or put it under a hose with a sprayer, and I would just spray it off and knock those insects off. And then watch it, and if you see them coming back, then I would go ahead and try one of these low-impact uh, pesticides. Yeah. The other thing to do is, is really um, – uh, make sure that the plant is in the optimal conditions, that it's in the full sun, uh, that you are, um, it's growing well just to keep it as stress-free as possible. But yeah, aphids are a problem. They usually go away at some point, but um, yeah, sorry about that. Okay. For you. <laughs> well, sp- speaking yeah. of that forecast, let's uh, take a break and have a look at that forecast and see what's happening in the coming uh, days here in the Twin Cities. Uh we're going to have another half hour of the show, our Smart Garden Show. So call in your lawn or garden question or send a text. Same number, 651-989-9226. 49 degrees here in the Twin Cities on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn and Maggie Ryder from the University of Minnesota helping you out answering those lawn and garden questions. <laughs> and boy, do we have many. Uh, would you have the next four hours available, uh, Julie and Maggie? <laughs> Holy mackerel. We have tons. Uh, I, let's do this. Uh, let me grab a text that came in earlier, and then we'll grab some phone calls. Um, when this is a silver maple question, when can they uh, this this texture trim that uh, silver maple? When do you think you could trim it almost any time now? Um, the only timing that we recommend about maples is in the spring when the sap is running, they will bleed, but now it should be fine. So yeah, go ahead and trim away. Okay. Hi from West Bloomington. This texture says I'm seeing a lot of dragonflies in my yard uh, this year. I hope that's a good thing. Is it? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Eat yeah. those mosquitoes. Yep, that's great. Good yeah. sign. A healthy ecosystem. This listener planted the lily of the valley, expecting them greatly to expand, but they have not. It's been three years. What do you think? Wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that plant is uh, is a, a mover and a shaker in the garden, so to speak. Um, I, I think just be patient. Um, you may want to add a little bit of compost to that area. Um there's probably people listening who said, boy, I wish that was the case in my garden. I have a lot of uh, lily of the valley and have to just pull it out. But I think just be patient. Okay. Very good. Back to the phones we go. Chris is calling from Montgomery. Chris, you're on uh, with uh, Julie and Maggie Hi. this morning. Hi. Good morning. Um, we have a magnolia tree that was planted in 2003. Um, last year in the summer, we noticed that we couldn't you know, see through the tree or we could see through the tree um, where otherwise it was always so thick with leaves. And then we noticed some dead branches. So in mid-August, we put on a feed and protect a solution. It's said to do that like once a year. So we did that. And then in the fall, you know, the leaves dropped as normal and they looked fine. 
um, over the winter, you know, the buds sat and um, we thought, oh, good, we're going to have good flowering. And the flower, the buds were there. You could see the little bit of the white at the tip of the bud never opened, never, not a flower. And then it didn't leaf out. We have no leaves on the tree. Is, and it doesn't look dead. There's like new branches sprouting out, you know, at the bottom of the trunk. Is there something we can do now? It sounds so the so the new branches are sprouting at the bottom of the trunk, which makes me wonder if the rest of the tree died. Yeah. That the, that it's uh that it's really only alive down at the base. That the that the top of that magnolia did not survive the winter, but because we had snow cover, bottom the bottom part of the tree did. Uh we sometimes see this in forsythia when uh when the buds are not hardy and uh and they don't make it in the particular cultivar and they don't make it through the winter you'll see flowering at the base of the shrub but not any flowering at the top of the plant and i'm guessing that might be what happens so the whole tree isn't dead but something there's some something about that that cultivar and i'm not sure what it is that it is not hardy or it did not those buds did not make it through the winter so that okay. is that is my guess on that one. If you know the cultivar, if it's a relatively new plant, then I would contact wherever you bought it, and I would talk to them about their plant warranty. A lot of garden centers have a plant warranty, and uh, and see if perhaps it's not as hardy as some other cultivars of magnolia, and you might see if you can exchange it for another plant. All right. Here's a text uh, that said, good morning, I used quick seed to repair patches on the lawn, and it's coming in nicely. Is it true that it isn't a good grass that will come back every year? I think I know what they mean by that. Yeah. So this quick fix, so, is, that, is that just an annual? Well, not necessarily, not necessarily an annual, but it, you're going to have to look at the label Again, I said this earlier, the label on the product of that seed mixture, and it will say what species of grass seed is in there. And if it has a lot of perennial ryegrass or annual ryegrass or Italian ryegrass, any of these ryegrasses, um, those are often included in these quick patch and repair mixes because they germinate very quickly. And like you said, they, you know, they look great for about, you know, a month or two months after you seeded it. Um, But the grasses are not very winter hardy. So they'll mm. often die every winter here in Minnesota. Um, and then you're back to the same, you know, square one again in the next springtime. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, and you, maybe that's not the case. You know, you have to look at the the label again on, on the seed bag. Um, grasses that would be better choices or that will be more winter hardy are um, fine fescues, tall fescue, even Kentucky bluegrass. The hang up is that those if you get those, they take a little bit longer to germinate, and they take a little more care to get them properly established from seed. So there is a bit of a trade-off, but it's more of a, you know, it will pay dividends in the long term. Okay, very good. Back to the phones we go. Monica is phoning in from Bloomington this morning. Monica, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you? Well, uh, we have ant mounds in our backyard. We've had them from year to year. And we do not fertilize our backyard because we have two dogs, so we don't use any pesticides. And the only thing we can do is seeming to rake the mounds of sand that the ants collect, and then they scurry all around. I'm wondering if there's anything else that can be done. 
um, besides pesticides to prevent that or why the ants do that? Well, so or I'll go, I'll go first and then I'll kick it to you, Julie, if you want to add anything. But the ants in lawns are really a kind of a nuisance or a cosmetic problem. They're not necessarily causing harm to the grass. Um, and I think of ants as more of a structural pest. So I would say, you know, go to our website. We have information on like um, pests in the home uh, and there's, uh, there's web pages there on ants and what you can do about them. Um, there's not a lot of easy, easy solutions to get rid of them, um, but there'll be some um, suggestions for control on the website there. Julie, do, do you want to add yeah. anything? Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't they actually, uh, they're more, uh, what's the word I want? They're, they're more common in sandier soils, maybe. So uh, soil amendment, like if they do some core aerating in the winter, in the fall and, and, uh, and then go ahead and top dress with some compost or is there something that they can do to improve the soil? It sounds to me like they're, it's pretty dry and sandy. Well, you, I mean, you could try. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of evidence that that will be effective, okay. um, but it, you know, it wouldn't hurt to try. Okay. This listener says, uh, Engelman vine is so easy to grow off the side of my house, and I love it. Is it bad to allow it to grow on the roof? It comes down rather easily if I pull it. Yeah, I don't think I'd want a uh, vine growing on my roof. They can, uh, the Engelman ivy is, uh, um, can, can get some, you know, can start to grow underneath any loose shingles, and that could cause some damage. I think I would keep it off the roof. They do look kind of neat on a house. Um, but they, uh, you just have to keep an eye on those vines so that they're not uh, damaging your structure. Okay. Uh, other than hand weeding, this listener says, is there a way to get weeds out of a clover lawn? Thistle are a particular problem. Well, not really, right? Because most of the weed, um, weed killers for a thistle are just general wide, wide spectrum broadleaf weed control. So they could, they could damage clover as well. So no, you could try to carefully um, just use a, um, like a single nozzle applicator and carefully just get spray the um, thistle plant. But otherwise, no, not really. And, and thistles are a pretty tough to control plant. Um, it would take a lot of digging. Okay. Back to the phones. Let's go to Egan. Jean is calling in from Egan this morning. Uh, Jean, good morning. What is your question? Good morning. I was wondering if it is too late to treat my crab apple for apple scab. It seems like it's just beginning to turn a little brown at the tips of the leaves. Um, I'm going to refer you actually to our apple webpage. It's on extension.umn.edu. And uh, go down to the go to the fruit section, and it's going to have a section on pest management or or management of, of apple trees in a home garden. And it's the same for the crab apples as it is for uh, other production apples. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head when you should treat for scab. Usually, scab I think is something that we treat for earlier in the spring, um, but it's still May for a couple more days, and so you might still be able to treat. But I take a look at that and uh, and then follow the instructions there. So, um, yeah, and that, again, that's extension.umn.edu, and it's on the fruits page, and go to apples, and that should give you some pest management guidelines for that. All right. 
This texture says, I'm growing zinnia seeds and the plants are ready to plant. Should I gradually get the plants? Okay. And it it, 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 <laughs> it ends there. Okay. Uh, oh, I, I, here, here it is. Adjusted to the weather before planting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's called acclimation, and that's as we, um, when you, if you've started seeds indoors, and it's like the question about the amaryllis, moving them outside, uh, you do want to acclimate them to the temperature. So, so move them into a protected area uh, that's not in full sun, and just leave them there for a little while, you know, a few days, and then move them gradually into a sunnier location, and then you should be able to transplant them. All right, very good. Let's take a quick break. Here on our Smart Garden Show, we have more questions to get answered when we uh, return. 49 degrees on our way to 65, both today and tomorrow. Stay with us here on News Talk A30. This is WCCO. Tomorrow, stay with us here on News Talk A30. This is WCCO. Hi, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, answering your lawn and garden questions. Julie Weisenhorn, Maggie Ryder from the U of M, helping us out this morning. Um, Julie and Maggie, a lot of questions lately uh, coming in here to CCO about uh, dog spots in lawns. Uh, what to do about those dead areas? What can you do? Tell us. Yeah. So once you have that dead area, you know, it looks like sort of a circle that's like a straw color, a brown colored patch. And then it's often surrounded by a, a ring of a darker green and, and grow, um, you know, really lush um, growing grass. And that's because of some of the nitrogen release that's in the urine. Um, you know, once, it, once you have that dead patch, all you can do is go back in and, and repair it, you know, with seed or with some type of sodding potentially. Um, as far as preventing it, you know, it's, it's pretty tough. Um, you can try to, you know, I think the easiest things would maybe be to get the dog to go to the bathroom somewhere else um, in a mulched area or a rock area. And, and people have been successful in doing that. There's not much that you can do to change the grass to make it more resistant or anything like that. Um, or, you know, the other thing I tell people, too, is every time the dog goes to the bathroom, follow it up with like a hose to t- try to dilute that area. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. There's nothing you can feed your dogs that changes that either. Right. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, there's some foods out there that say, you know, or or nutrients or supplements that say you can feed this to your dog and it will reduce the acidity of their urine. And that's not the case. There's been a, is it Iowa State that's done a ton of testing on that? Yeah. Um, And actually, North Dakota State University has recently too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This Dexter wants to know how far back can I cut my lilac bushes now? Almost 10 feet high. So uh, there's a couple different approaches to pruning, uh, in particular lilacs. And again, these are those early, early uh, spring blooming flowers. And man, they were just gorgeous this year. Uh, you can do one of two things. One is to take out the about a third of the biggest trunks of the tree or of the shrub and cut them as low as you can go uh, down to the base of the plant and just take out those biggest trunks and about a third of the plant. The other thing you can do is you can actually take the take the whole shrub down, um, down to the not down to the ground, but pretty close, and uh, and that's if you've really got an overgrown plant that is way 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 too big and it's maybe become a real pain. It's blocking windows. It might be leaning over something. 
Um, I would recommend going with the the first um, type of pruning, and that's taking out about a third of those biggest trunks every year. And now again, like the forsythia question, you're going to be able, you might be a little bit late, but uh, hopefully not. They bloomed a little bit longer than the forsythia. The forsythia are earlier bloomers, so you might still be able to squeak into that window and not take off too many flower buds. This listener says, "Will grub control applications applied now at my shrub roses kill Japanese beetles?" No. So grub control applied now would be a preventative. So it will kill the Japanese beetle larvae in like July or so when they would hatch out of eggs. So that's how that would work. It would not kill, like if you see grubs in your lawn right now, it would not kill those. No. Listener says, my endless summer hydrangea has not bloomed for two years. Is it done and should I replace it? Endless summer is a plant that uh, blooms on both new and old wood. So in other words, last year's growth as well as the new growth coming up from the base. Most of the time when people find that they that their endless summer have not been producing flowers, it has to do with the amount of light that they're getting. They might be in a shadier area. So you might consider moving the plant. Uh, you could also give it some fertilizer. And uh, Endless Summer has the feature that if you feed it with a uh, 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 aluminum sulfate, you'll get the blue flowers, so you can try doing that. Uh, it may also require some, uh, some additional fertilizer that is going to promote more growth on the plant. Uh, if you go to the Bachman's or the Bailey's websites, uh, you can find information on Endless Summer management and hoping that it will bloom uh, a little bit better for you. Okay. Well, as you know, Julie, Maggie, our, our show would not be complete without this question. Uh, I have a question from Maggie. It says, I live in St. Paul and have terrible creeping Charlie. What do I do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew it as soon as you said that, uh, Denny. Um, so creeping Charlie, yes, it's uh, the worst weed in lawns probably. I get the most questions about it. And it is, it's pretty tough to control. Um, so I, you know, I say there's three options. The first is the organic option, and that's just hand pulling. There's no organic products for this. So just pulling it by hand, that's the organic way to do it. The second option, there is a natural herbicide product. It's not organic, but it would, it's like what I would call natural because it's, it's iron. It's like an iron chelate. Um, so you'll see on labels it will be called like F-E-H-E-D-T-A or chelated iron or liquid iron too. Um, so that one, you know, it's effective at controlling broadleaf weeds, but it will probably take a lot of applications, at least three or four um, subsequent applications. And, and read the label on the product. It will tell you uh, at what intervals to be applying that. And then the, um, the third option is using conventional um, herbicides. So that includes like um, triclopyr is probably the best one, but ones like 2,4-D or dicambo will often be included um, with triclopyr and some mixed products. So look for Look for a triclip here, and that's the best. That's the best to control creeping Charlie. And the best time a... to do it. Whoop, the best time to do it is in the fall. Um, okay. You can do it right. Now. It can be effective now in the springtime, but it will be um, more effective or sort of optimized if you can do this in the fall. Fall is still the best. Yeah, uh, we a couple... can get our dogs to go to the bathroom on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's something there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, the, the nitrogen would make it grow better, probably. Probably <laughs> so. That might be a fun way to just get a bunch of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> we have about a minute and a half to go on the show. Uh, this is a quick one here. Is there a good weed and feed for lawn 
This texture has free-range chickens, would love them and lawn to be healthy. Well, um, hard to say. I mean, so when you say weed and feed, I think that includes the weed part is usually conventional herbicides or pesticides, and then the feed part is fertilizer. Um, there are some weed and feed products that include that um, liquor, liquid iron, like or uh, granular iron, like I was just describing. That's a kind of a natural one. Um, but no, you know, I say read the labels carefully. You know, it has guidance on um, um, risk to like humans and domestic animals, that type of thing. Um, and also, I'll caution too that the weed and feed products, you the the time to apply feed or the fertilizer is not always the same as the best time to apply the weeding or weed control part of it. So there's some um, trade offs associated with that. Um, so just consider that. Okay, we have about 15, 20 seconds to go. This is not a garden question. Is it true, a texter says, if I get the vaccine shot, I will receive two tickets to Julie's band upcoming performance? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you for that. Uh, Get on the web, uh, extension.umn.edu, for some great reading and a lot of information. Maggie and Julie, thank you so much. Let's do this again. Thanks, Denny. Thanks, Jenny. Have a good Memorial Day, everyone. Yes, have a good weekend. Get those home improvement questions ready. That's coming up next hour with Andy Lindis here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO 49 degrees on our way to 65. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 